Welcome to the Contractor Success Forum. Today we are talking about six ways to improve the return on your investment of your construction company. At the Contractor Success Forum, we discuss financial strategies for running a more profitable, successful construction business. And we have in our two corners today, or three corners, we have Wade Carpenter with Carpenter and Company CPAs. And in one of the other corners, we have Stephen Brown, McDaniel Whitley, Bonding and Insurance Agency. And in the other corner, we have Rob Williams, me with Iron Gate Entrepreneurial Support Systems. So today, the topic is about how do you improve your return on your investment? What's you know, I just, I just want to make a profit. What are you talking about return on investment? Wade, what is return on investment from the CPA? Well, there are several measures of that. A return on investment, return on assets, return on equity. Basically, what we're trying to figure out is what did we earn for what we spent? Oh, yeah. That's that makes sense. I don't know, Rob, if you want to actually give a, well, a well, I tell you, In one of the articles I was reading about that, they gave a great explanation of this in a non-technical way. They said, how can you do and make a lot more with the same amount of people and stuff that you already have. So making more return on your investment, instead of pumping up your sales growth with more revenue, you got more problems. How can you make more money with the same number of people and the same amount of equipment and the same amount of revenue or cost that you already are incurring? So that sounds great. Everybody's always pushing the top line and then a lot of times their return actually goes down, their overall return, but definitely their return on their investments or their assets. When the people are also assets also. So I'm broadening that a little bit more from the technical return on investment, which would just be like, how much money do you put in there? But your return on your assets, improving all these returns. Does that make more sense, Stephen? Yeah, that makes more sense. Both of it makes sense. I guess the main thing is how do you do it? How do you optimize that? You've got people and uh, you push them to do more work and they're like, you know, I, I can't you what, do any more than I'm doing right now. I came up with a list of six ways to improve the return on investment. A uh, listicle, you, you call it. Listicle, them. yes. Yes, you can go online to our show notes and go online and see our listicle. So number one on our list is, and this seems so obvious, but track your average gross margins on your jobs. I wasn't even going to put that in there. Originally, my list was five and then it came to six because in meeting with some other people, there are people that are big contractors that are not really even looking at that. You'd be surprised. So first thing, if you want it to improve, track it. So track your average gross margin. We like to make between 20 and 30 percent average on our gross profit margin. Well, so you're saying actually are. track it instead of just say what you want. Oh, yeah. an example. I would say it definitely depends on the, the type of construction you're doing, what the average gross margin is, but it is a simple measure and a lot of people don't look at it. Some people get tied up in saying, am I looking at direct costs versus putting all these in direct, whatever way you look at it, just be consistent and look at it and see, is it going up? Is it going down? And you can learn a lot just from that simple measure. Yeah. And some people have said, well, gosh, look, I make millions of dollars. Actually, I had a partner one time and it was building a 
equipment for the construction industry and he was making a fortune, but he didn't track any of his costs. It was like, how are you not doing that? So he was real busy and he just wasn't into the book side of it. So he did, but what could you do to improve it even more if you are tracking and paying attention to these costs? So, so that was number one, track your average gross margins. Number two is identify and fix those profit leaks. So what does that mean? The profit leaks are the, the number one for me were estimating mistakes. The big jobs, I got scared to death. So make sure you're getting your job cost estimates right. Do a good job on those. And then your change orders. That was probably my other place. You got to charge for those things, track them. Don't just get the jobs built. I think I was guilty of wanting to just do more and more and get that revenue number up. And we'd have change orders out on the jobs. And sometimes I'm like, just do it, just get it done. I don't have time to mess with this thing. Just get that done. So you got to charge for those things. And on some of these jobs, they just keep adding up. And if we had had a simple process, we probably would have made a lot more change orders, but we didn't have that process. So tighten up that leakage of your profit. Anything else on that, guys? Just a couple other things. We could talk about that for a long time too, but you know, just simple things like having very clear instructions to your guys of what you're doing so you don't have to go back and redo work or things like that. Making sure they have what they need on the job and not have to make 20 trips to Home Depot to go get something. Those little things can add up. I know you're going to talk about time later on in this list, but those things can add up and kill your profits. Yeah, yeah, they could. Because the next thing on the listicle is your agreements, which is very closely related to this. Make sure your agreements, you're upfront, not just change orders, that you're charging for them. It depends on the type of the contractor. So some people won't get into this as much, but there are a lot of things that we do, especially if you're closer to the customer end rather than a subcontractor, but charging for the design, charging for the estimating, charging for creating the job scope development. And, and these are some of these are the ones that are involved in the beginning of the creation of the project because I know I didn't charge for this stuff most of the time when I was doing these things. We just kind of looked at, at the bid process, but we really should have because we were doing a lot more than the architect sometimes. And then uh, physically on the job, the demo and the discovery of the site and stuff, a lot of that stuff, I know I didn't charge for that kind of stuff. There's a lot of free advice up front that they're trying to get from us rather than the architect or the engineers, those kind of things. So those agreements that could go under number two, but we're not going to make that number two. That is number three. Get your agreements up front, get them down. Any comments on that one before we go to number four? Well, actually just had a, com a conversation with a contractor last week. The same kind of thing. He was absolutely tired of doing all the design work. He was remodeling and stuff like that, but he was picking out appliances and stuff like that. And he was not getting compensated for his time. So he did exactly what you're talking about. He's like, we're going to start putting that in our contract. And I was really proud of him. Yeah. One other strategy to that, though, is maybe if you're not actually doing it in the contract, have a designer or somebody that you partner with. I definitely see that in the bigger houses, in, in the residential and the commercial, you definitely see because the architects usually have somebody on staff, a design person in-house, but make sure 
that you've got that in there. We had an engineer, and we're talking about the site development and the discovery. I did do this a couple of times. I did actually charge for Mike. He was a really good land. I don't know. I don't know what his type. He's an engineer, but he's a landscaper. Some, so he could lay out the neighborhoods for us. So and he could stair step them. That was hundreds of thousands of dollars of work sometimes. So that was a real big deal. So having some of these guys that you can partner with and send them to these guys instead of you doing it. So if you're not going to charge for it, at least find somebody else to put them off. And then maybe you do want to do the work and then maybe you're cheaper than having them do it. Maybe it's a good justification so they won't feel like you're ripping them off or it should have been included in the price. So hopefully that's helpful. Some of this kind of applies to residential, but it, it applies in the commercial too, especially our engineering and design time when I was doing the framing. So, all right, that was number three, get your agreements. Number four, job mix management. That's a lot like what we have already been talking about. So what kind of jobs are you doing? Look at your jobs right on down and look at your margins and stuff on them and start focusing on those jobs that you're familiar with. But when you're doing these, don't just look at the direct cost. Look at the cost of your office. Look at the time that you're spending. Like in our last example, that should cost money. Your time is valuable as well. That's not just sales. I think we just chalked that up to sales time, but that's not, that's a value that you're doing. So put all those indirect costs because that can really clobber you. How about that, Wade? I know that's a big topic for you. Oh yeah. Well, segmenting your jobs and slicing and dicing any way you can. If you don't have the job costing, number one, I would say definitely get that in there, but slicing and dicing. And even if you're in doing the same, say you were doing commercial office build outs and you had some that were 25,000 versus 100,000 versus, I don't know, 500,000 different revenue levels. You probably find that one of those levels, you're making more money than the other, you know, different industries. It could be the same type of industry, but different owners. So slicing and dicing them can tell you worlds of things about where you should be putting your time, where maybe you shouldn't be, you know, estimating jobs that you shouldn't take. Yeah. 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 Don't forget that familiarity with the job really saves you a lot of money. I I think contractors don't value themselves enough in realizing that if they've done a job, that's a big asset that you have to get that return on that. So it's going to take you a lot less time. You may not see it in the direct job cost, but on your overhead and in your time and the time that you could have been spending to get another job or focusing on the other items in the listicle to save money. Instead of learning these new jobs, you already know it, your your systems and processes, your direct job cost is probably gonna go down as well because you're familiar with it. Uh, So that familiarity, I know we keep talking about it. So I won't say the word sweet spot because we say that so much. So I didn't say get that sweet spot because Wade, we talk about the sweet spot a lot, don't we? Oh, did I say that? So anyway. All right. That was number four, the job mix. All right. Number five is something that we don't think about as contractors, but number five, more efficient marketing processes. You can really save a lot of money. I I don't know what the average is. I knew the numbers better for home building. Ours was usually like 4% 
uh, our marketing budget. Some people it's more uh, in the commercial thing. We may not call it marketing, but that's that bidding process. We get that process up front. You may not see it as a line item. It may be, you know, your payroll, you might call it admin or you might call it sales because you might have an efficient process that you're doing or, or inefficient process. It's probably what not to do is advertising everywhere and just throwing money at all those things. How many people paid for yellow page ads for an extra 10 years? I ran into somebody the other day that said this year they got rid of their yellow page ad charge. You know, like, That's still a charge. <laughs> you know, What are all these things that we do? So find something that you're efficient at and then do as much as you can in that area before you start spreading it out into all these other things. I always felt like I should have a little bit here, a little bit there. And so I was getting no good return off of any of them rather than putting all my eggs. Well, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket sometimes either, but it is, it can be more efficient. Well, as you're branding yourself and you're marketing yourself, a really slick website that showcases you know, sometimes you have to spend some money on professional photography, especially when you have a, a project that you're really proud of. It's architecturally beautiful that took a great deal of skill. You want to showplace that. And some contractors' websites I see are so aesthetically enjoyable to go through their projects. Yeah. And that's what you have to sell as a contractor, the work that you've done. Right. And if you can market it as your Mixing that with the one, your job management mix, the ones you're familiar with, you see a lot of, of efficiencies in the prospecting on the advertising of just getting the fact that you're an expert at that, where I see so many people, they're trying to avoid that because they want to be thought of that they can do everything. It's well, then, then you're not a perceived expert at anything. And I've made that same mistake is I didn't want to seem like I was just in this one niche, but that can be really effective for marketing if you are seen as doing that one niche. Right. In your website, you can let it brag on the technical aspects of the project that you had to overcome and other items. Whenever someone's considering doing business with you, the first thing they look over is your website. And especially for contractors, what a great way to see quickly what projects you've done and what parts of the country you've done and what type of work you've done. Right, right. Yeah, and you're talking about websites and social media and stuff. I, it seems like the commercial guys like stick on LinkedIn. So put your efforts in there where the people doing residential services direct to the thing, you know, Facebook or Instagram, something has tended to be more popular with that. And don't start spending your money on the other one because you're not getting as much from that. Spend that money on where it's efficient. So, so that was our marketing efficiency. We're ready for number six, shorten your cycle times and everything on the job. If you shorten your cycle times, and, and I guess cycle, that could be a technical thing. I guess in our industry, people should know what that means, I think. But just the time that you're out there on the job, if you can, you know, do a job. I built houses in a year and a half, and I've also built houses in 15 days. If you shorten the cycle time, then... There are fewer resources. You don't have to go check on as many jobs. There, there's so many efficiencies that you can save and the assets that you've got. If you speed that, especially just wasted cycle time, there's one aspect of spending a fortune to make it 
shorter, but so much of that time is just waste. If you shorten that down, then the assets that it takes, you're only overseeing, say, 10 jobs at a time. Or if it takes you twice as long, you might be overseeing 20 jobs at a time, which might mean a whole nother superintendent or, or all these other resources. And definitely to drive around job time, the theft, the slippages are just more and more and more the longer the jobs take. Plus, you get your money in faster. There's now we're talking with Wade. And don't just think about the job on site. It's all those things you spend before the job starts too. So try to get those cycle times down and maybe you can or can't control that yourself, but you can always control it when you start. Think about this when you're looking for your job types, which ones you're gonna do, that cycle time. A lot of times I couldn't control a particular time on a job, but there were types of jobs that took a lot less time. What about that, well, Wade? I've got him nodding at least. That's well, good. yeah, you were going there exactly where I was about to go with this. When you talked about the segmenting your jobs, that's one thing when you look at the cash flow and the profitability. A lot of times when you get in and get out, you make a lot more money. Even if the top line's lower, your profit is higher as a percentage. And I've seen many people stop doing these big jobs simply because they finally realize that, hey, I could do four of these jobs in the time it takes us one and make a whole lot more profit. Oh, yeah. Just because I could get in and out fast. Yeah. I had this philosophical moment one time about when you're talking about how much money you make, let's say whatever this number is, it's 100000 a year. Well, it's a year. It's not 100000 because I used to just put down all my jobs and, and I would add those up and I would see there, but there was no time factor out in the beginning. And we measure our lives and our success, not in total dollars of profit. Everything's measured in how much you make per year. So if you push those jobs into half the time frame, you make twice as much money. You're twice as successful. It's, it's funny how people don't put a time factor in. I was guilty of that. I just didn't think about the timing of the money is how we measure our success. So I don't know if that makes any sense. Was that a little too philosophical? <laughs> no. All right. So any bonuses here? Well, I was going to throw something out and I'm not sure it's more of a rant. I don't know. Let's rant. Let's rant on this. <laughs> okay. Well, so just kind of got to set the stage because I had a meeting with a contractor last week, last Friday. And this guy, I had met at a trade organization, Joe, probably more than five years ago. And we talk over the years. I've given him all kind of free advice. And it, back in 20, he came to me and said, okay, I want to try to do something. I've been trying to do all this on my own and I'm still frustrated. And he got started and he got scared. He kind of took the lowest package and he bailed in his first month because he's like, I'm scared and the money's going to run out, all that stuff. Well, he came back to me the first of this year. And I didn't even want to take the meeting with the guy. I was like, look, I just can't help you keep, you know, doing this. He convinced me and he's taking the full CFO back office package. The point I want to make of this is we're closing in on two months of this. And so I've been preaching to him. And this is what I would say to improve your ROI. Get your books in order. Understand your job cost. Understand what that overhead is. Understand those things that drive your cash flow. That is what builds ROI. He had horrible books. In just a month, we couldn't tell him everything, but we sat down last Friday and I showed him 
what we had pulled together. He told me after the meeting, he's like, I had learned more in this one hour than I have in 20 years of running this on my own. And wow. he said, this was well worth the investment, but that's not my rant here is we talked about the tools. It is well worth the money to reach out to Rob, Stephen, me. When you know how to do this, you can get so much farther. Instead of trying to say, well, I still have my wife doing the books. If you really want to get to that next level, reach out to somebody, whether it's one of us or, or if you've got your own person. If you want to get to that next level, stop playing around. That's it for my rant. Forgive me. <laughs> I really like that because I just had a, a conversation with a new client yesterday, brand new client that they had uh, found us because of LinkedIn and maybe the show. But he was talking about how he likes to do his books. So he really knows what's going on. So he does his own books. He does have somebody that reviews them and stuff. I haven't gotten into that yet to see exactly what it is. But that's a great point. But the perception that he had that he's going to know more because he's doing the books himself can be false. And maybe you're aware of the line items, but you might, what, what is it, can't see the forest across the trees? Well, absolutely. You get the tunnel vision, but, you know, sometimes doing your own books, if you understand them and know what to look for, that's great. But a lot of people, even if you've been doing this for years, just get an outside view from yeah. somebody, you it's know. and fresh, Freshen up your ideas because there's always something there. Take that first step. Yep. That's right. That was a little justification for me because I was like, forgive me for the rant, but just if you want to get to that next level, stop playing around. Oh, yeah. You know, we should probably have another episode on cash drivers. So y'all listen, look, look out there, see if we have another, because that, that's a way to do it because Wade just mentioned that. So look, after you've got these absolutely wonderful ideas of how to get better return on your assets, you can... Worry first about that before you start worrying about the growth of the revenue, which that's what everybody looks at. Just tighten up your profit, tighten up that return on your current assets, not just the dollars, but the people assets and your time, those type things. Because the more revenue you got, the more headaches you're going to have. And it's very likely that in boosting that overall revenue, you're going to distort and, and diminish your profits is actually even going to go down if you're not really focusing on these ideas of the return on your assets. So. It, it's amazing how a lot of times you just, you've heard that expression, you can't see the forest or the trees. And they're just obvious things that you can't see. And then there's more detailed things that you just don't know about. And, you know, our motto on the contractor success form is you don't know what you don't know. You don't and know I would add another one, be intentional about managing your company so it doesn't manage you. Be intentional. God, there's so much valuable information on here. Whoa. Just if you could see you guys no. just the knowledge exploding from his head. No, no. It's not knowledge. I can just tell you that. It's just amazing how many times the smallest thing can make such a big change. That's why I'm saying don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to say, you know, I've got a problem. Be disciplined enough to listen. Yeah. That's a good point on our feedback. So reach out. They can go to the contractorsuccessforum.com and that will tell you, I'm not going to say specifically where we're going, but we are developing communication outlets so we can talk to you guys better. But the way to get there is to go to contractorsuccessforum.com because you may be listening to this later 
and those have the links to whatever our rooms are or where you can have discussions, where you can ask questions, where you can find information on us. And we actually get calls that, that we take and it usually starts out free. So I think it always starts out free. So call us, put questions in there and more topics that you want to hear that you can have the three stooges and the three contractor <laughs> success forum guys talk about here. We're turning into like car talk guys. We're, we're like contractor talk guys. So there you go. Know. I'm not sure who's Mo Larry, but I guess you got to be curly today, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I got some ideas, but we'll we'll talk about that. I'm the short one. All right, guys, I think they've heard enough about that. So I will let them go on to our next episode as they're listening to these. Wade Carpenter, Carpenter & Company, CPA, Stephen Brown, McDaniel Whitley, Bonding and Insurance Agency, and I'm Rob Williams, Iron Gate Entrepreneurial Support Systems. Thanks for listening to the Contractor Success Forum.